it's fun to tell in the 20 years time you can look back at it and say I was I raised during that yeah <laughs> I went through Dublin airport when I was sort of one of five people at least you don't have to queue in security absolute bonus well I paid the extra five euro for the priority security anyway so it was alright oh, yeah good, good move it, it was a waste of a fiver though because <laughs> I'll never get that fiver back Hello and welcome to the Mountain Running Pod with Seven Cinco. I'm Seb Batchelor and I'm joined by my good friend Rob Sinclair. Now, before we go any further, I'd like to start off with a, a little apology. We've had a few messages asking when the next podcast is coming out from listeners thinking we'd be releasing them every week. We'd obviously love to produce them at that frequency, but it's unfortunately not feasible with all the other commitments we both have in our lives. Saying that, We'll do our best to produce them as often as possible and bring you some interesting, informative and hopefully funny content. So that's that out of the way. Agreed. I agree. We're, we're busy guys. We're busy lads. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, Robbo, how are you doing? I'm all right, pal. I'm all right. As, as you know, it's been a busy kind of last two weeks for me with a lot of overtime at work. But overall, yeah, still managing to get some decent, decent training in. Um but it's just life, is it? Life gets busy. You gotta just crack on and uh, no fannying about. Just get 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 shit done. Yeah, and uh, you've been integrating a bit of bit more a uh, bit more kind of like stability and core training into into your schedule. Yeah, mate. There has been uh, yeah some some savage core burn. Um, waking up the next day and having some some struggling struggling moments standing there in the shower with very very sore abs and ta muscles and all these things that you <laughs> that, that maybe i didn't really know existed too well um prior to some uh sessions like this so so yeah it's been interesting <laughs> favorite exercise favorite core exercise to date favorite core um the one that produced the most burn um which is always going to be the favorite was when uh, the, the press up holds 120 degree, then dipping down to the 90 oh, degree that. hold. That is a, uh, that, I, I reckon I could do that like 10 times per day, like three three sets, 10 times, you know, three minutes and 20 seconds of hold, power, man, power. Uh, you, can, you can progress that one up onto um, press up bars. Oof. So you can go from like, so press up Whoa. bars obviously lift, lift you up a little bit further and you go from like obviously top hold go down 30 degrees, go down like oh. another to like 90 and then you can drop further. See, so then your chest coming like even through past 90 and then up. So it's like sequential, like three different um, levels of like three second hold or four second or however you want to hold it. Oh, yes. pec minor on fire after that. Oh, I bet you. Oh, honestly, it's been, I think, three days since I did a core workout like that. And the... I can actually still feel the top bits of my pecs, like and into the into the like the the, the into uh, deltoids as well. Into the delt, yeah, into the deltoid in the shoulder, and it's I'm st- I'm still burning. The, my noodles just cannot handle <laughs> that sort of that sort of intensity anymore because I've not been apart from at work when I'm throwing about spanners and stuff. I've not been doing any. There's been no upper body work really, um, apart from these incorporating these things with the planks and the the side plank work and things so it's yeah it's it's hopefully all beneficial it's part of the parcel is it eventually you know you know i think it is because people might think right i'm a runner i don't want to work my upper body but just because you do upper body day exercises doesn't mean you're going to get going to get buff that's not how it works if you're doing a significant amount of like aerobic training you're not going to pile on massive like muscle mass yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends, though. Like, if if you were following some Dwayne Johnson, you know, the rock workouts or something, then you're smashing the the creatine and the casein. You know, you 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 might you might grow a little bit too big for the mountains. Eh? You might have to lean out. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's good to hear. Good to hear what you've been up to for sure. Yeah. How how are you getting on, pal? What's the what's the latest? How are you getting on in Inverness land? Uh, yeah, not bad, Robbo. Um starting to find a bit more form actually 
um, after the training good. disruption from before, during, and after the move north uh, in situ for a few weeks now, getting to know the area a little bit, uh, finding the best places to train. So, yeah, it's a good variety. Um, just down the road is a good place for doing some hill reps, favourite session, as you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, a, li- a little bit better. Again, a lot of life admin to to get on with and uh university starts again soon which is a little bit of a downer but pass and parcel isn't it it's, it's exactly I, I, it's good it's good you're gonna get back to it i know it's a bit of a bit of a big thought on your mind but at the end of the day year four year five ready to smash it get get it nailed that's let's just get it done you know, yeah just get get the job done yeah i'm also guessing a bit of a, a bit of a dilemma my age old achilles problems flared up again so um having a bit of a dilemma on what to do with that seeing the physio um so yeah but i'm confident we'll get that sorted out and uh because you know the form starts coming back and then you get you you know like any anyone knows that does a lot of a lot of training and then you pick up these niggles and it's it's working through those and making sure that you know they don't hold you back in the long term yeah but at least you can you can do some of your open water swim you can jump on the bike you, you, there's loads of tools in your in your uh, toolbox for for getting through things like this and and when you're on top of your rehab like you say and your form's coming back a bit with the physio in the mix as well you can hopefully maintain this depending on what you end up deciding to do pre-winter yeah. you know yeah. so it's 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 good is it it's good yeah. and guess and guess what came out the uh, roller skis <laughs> they they they've they've they're coming out <laughs> yes. Oh, anyway, yes. Anyway, we're, we're digressing. <laughs> Tour um, de Black Isle on the road. Uh, yeah. Uh, 42Ks of roller ski. I've, yeah, I've only that. ever done, tw- what was the max? Maybe 25K. And that was that was a good old burn. That was back at the start of the year. So uh, let's, let's put it out there. Let's get a marathon. Anyone wants to yeah. come for a Nordic sesh, get on the roller skis? Let's, let's do it. Tour, tour yeah. de Black Isle. I'm on for that. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let, let's let's crack on with pod. Um, cool, a few more races have been happening, especially over on the continent now. And uh, I sat down with one of the guys who's been back at it, actually more than back at it. Uh, he's been crushing it, in fact, over in Italy. It's none other than Northern Ireland and Salmon's mountain whippet, Zach Hanna. Welcome to the pod, Zach. Thanks very much for joining me. Um, first of all, how are you doing? And what's the situation over in... Do you live in, where is it, Dr- Dromara or somewhere like that? Yeah, Dromara. It's in Northern Ireland. It's sort of yeah. county, the county down. What's what's the situation with uh, with you over there? Uh, it's the, fairly... It's sort of up and down. Like, everyone's doing their bit more in their masks but at the same time there's still lots of crowds gathering in different places but i suppose it's the same everywhere some people are starting to think it's the virus has almost disappeared but when you listen to the news every day it's kind of hard to know what to expect so i think it's just the case of having to get on with it and sort of keep your ears to the ground with what's happening and what restrictions are going to come in well, I think tomorrow Northern Ireland is going to impose more restrictions on terms of traveling and maybe social distancing. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that, you know? Yeah, but it's not affecting you getting out and about, training, and you're still able to get into the hills, okay? Yeah, and in terms of all that, I haven't been stopped at all. Um, I maybe haven't been running in as big a crowd, it's like in terms of going out with my club or anything, just been running with a smaller group of friends. But in terms of getting into the hills, absolutely no problems. And even when I'm traveling abroad, the racing of a no hassle. So long may that continue. Yeah, no, definitely. So are you doing a few club sessions or just or just with a few um, just with a few friends? Because I know a few, over 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 here, a few clubs have started up again. Um, so. Are you, are you able to crack out some hard sessions? Yeah, well, my coach sets my sessions, and our our club hasn't had any official sessions as far as I know. I think there's just maybe small groups of 
people have been going out and doing their own thing. But yeah, I've been sat doing my own sessions with one of my coach sets me, and I've also got friends yeah. joining with me as well during them. So it's nice to have the company. It was a uh, very lonely there for a while over lockdown yeah. when you weren't allowed to meet with anyone. But I got through it all right. And uh, as as I say, when that first run back when we were all back together was just brilliant because it's been it felt like it's been so long since we've all seen each other. So yeah, it's been. I've been able to get some very, very good sessions put out, uh, put into the bank. So we're all feeling fit and strong. There's going to be one or two right injured at the minute, but in terms of that, there, everyone's fit and ready. And some of them, oh, I'm the only mountain runner in the group. The rest are all track and road runners. So it's kind of okay. yeah. there. There's, I think, maybe this weekend's the Northern Ireland Senior Track Championship. So I think there's one of them's doing it. And then there's a couple of road races too. So, yeah, there's plenty to plenty to keep us all busy, you know. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good group because you're going to have a mix, aren't you? You've got you on the, the mountain running side. Obviously, the guys racing on the track are going to have the speed. That probably, does that, does that sort of bring you on a little bit in terms of your leg speed and your turnover? It does massively. That's one thing that over this winter I have focused a lot on is trying to get the turnover and the leg speed increased in me as I had, that was non-existent in me whenever I first started running. But uh, one of our group members, Owen Totten, he's um, a 216 marathon runner. He, oh, right, okay. He, 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 ran, he ran 216 at Dublin last year. And you have Andriana, he uh, is the Northern Ireland half marathon champion. He ran 30, I think it was maybe 30, 52, two or three weeks ago in the Northern Ireland 10,000 meter championships. Ooh. And uh, there's a, a Lindsay Gordon, I think he's a 68, 69 mile half marathon man. And as well, we've got uh, Carrie O'Flaherty. She's a, a Rio Olympian from the 3,000 meter steeplechase. So what do you think's the the best thing about training with those guys then? just Does it really just sort of bring you on in those sessions or are you kind of learning from sort of where they've got to in terms of someone's running a 2.16 that's pretty pretty hot on the marathon front? Like what? What's the best about training in a group like that? Well, it depends on the session. Like, in, in a session where it's sort of like a, a fartlek, it's it's harder for me to stay with them. But over time, I have slowly got closer to them. And maybe in the last few weeks, I've been able to actually stay with them and hold my own. And it's just, I think it sort of, it shows that the work I've been doing is working. Because mm-hmm. I'm able to I have my speeds increased, I'm able to hold a, a quicker pace for longer, and it really it's helping me run quicker in the hills as well. Uh, my coach is always preaching to me how the best mountain runners in the world are all very very quick on the flat as well. So it's sort of trying to get it drilled into me that that's what I need to do to make myself better in the hills. Which mm-hmm. if it's going to make me better, you know I'm all for it. Um, but as I say, it's great having such a, like a diverse training group with a lot of quick people on it. And, um, as well, like they're all quick over the, you know, the 5k, the half marathon, the marathon, like one, one of the group members, Patrick and he's a 1420 5k man. And like, okay. that's knocking my PB, my PB is 1455. So it's kind of knocking me out of the park, but it always gives me something to look forward to is uh, mm-hmm. in training whenever it's encouraging. Sorry, uh, whenever I'm able to stay with them, you know. Yeah, and how do you think the flat speed can translate across to to the mountains? Like you say, your coach is saying that the guys that go well in the mountains are also fast on the flats. How how do you think? You know, what's the the biggest benefit from being able to turn out, say, a, a fourteen flat? 5k to i don't know a, a vk like where are you getting the 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 translation or what what do you think it brings to like you know your strengths having that in your arsenal so to speak yeah it's, it's a a lot of people have asked me that before um and from what i've i've actually read a couple of books and over the past past few months that have sort of nearly answered that question for me it's I think it's in terms of if you can run fast in the flat, 
it sort of means that you've got the power and the turnover to run quick uphill. As you know, you're like you'll know yourself that going uphill, the quicker the cadence can sometimes uh, can help you get up over the mm-hmm. hills quicker. And as well for running downhill, it means you've got that speed to allow you to run freely downhill without having to hold back because maybe your legs aren't able to cope with the, the turn of pace. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it's based around that turnover and keeping your cadence up. Yeah, more and or less. like feeling like you're running quickly as well and having the yeah, the kind of muscle memory that, you know, you can run, I don't know, 22K an hour in training at the start of a mountain race. If you're doing 20, it feels comfortable. Is that kind of a thought process as well? Yeah, it is a similar kind of thought process, all right. Um, I think the, what hit home for me the hardest was whenever my coach was uh, telling me all about this, and it wasn't until I actually read, uh, have you read the book Running Hard about John Wilde and Kenny Stewart? No, I haven't actually. Is it a good read? I would highly recommend that. Um, okay. It was all about the 1983 British Fell Running Championships, but Kenny Stewart, when he won Snowden in the Ben Navis race, he, he very, very rarely ran on the hills during training. Always ran on the flat to maintain leg speed. And whenever right. I sort of heard it coming from him and seeing sort of how all the best runners were preaching it as well, and then it sort of made me think twice about running more in the hills and then going and keeping, trying to keep most of my runs on the, on the flat. Even though as much as I hate running on the flat, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of has to be done nearly, you know? Yeah, that's so, that's so counterintuitive because um, when we were talking on, previous, on the previous podcast to, to Jacob, to Jacob Atkin, and about training specificity, and I've always been one, if you want to go well on a certain terrain, you have to train on it. So it's kind of a different, a different angle, but it does make sense. I know other runners that have said to me, oh, especially on like the classic distance mountain races, where you're a little bit shorter and faster, you have to spend a good amount of time training speed, um, training on the flat, even doing like track sessions, which don't appeal to me that much but for like the <laughs> for, for the races you do are, are really quite applicable yeah no as you say you, if you train for what you want there you're going to be racing in and over the past like i do I, I live on the side of a mountain so getting access to the hills is no problem for me i do try to get up on the hills maybe once or twice a week and like those are really when i say for me running flat where I am right now, it's not flat at all. I have to sort of go down into the village where I live, just outside where I live, and uh, run flat around there. But even then, you're still coming back with, say, if you do 10K, you've still got seven or 800 feet of climbing. So, mm-hmm. and, and to me, that's, that's flat. To others, it's not flat. It's sort of forces for courses. But yeah. I I do like to get into the hills because it's I, I don't like neglecting my descending because you're not really doing any tactical stuff on the road. It's nice to go up into the hills and just be able to run freely through the the bogs and just sort of have fun, you know? Yeah, and especially if you didn't run in the hills that much and then, I don't know, you got into a race or you then did run in the hills after having, I don't know, two or three weeks on the flat, your quads will be smashed to bits. (laughs) Going downhill. Like, I know what it's like. I've been away from the the hills, uphill, glutes on fire, downhill, like VMOs and the quads. Can't walk the next day. The doms are just brutal. Uh, It's awful. I've tried. I think the worst doms I've ever had is Snowden. That is the worst race ever for doms. It's five you miles. Down. Pass down. Yep. Uh, even thinking about it now makes my legs sore. Think think about this though. So, so you you like on in Snowden races, it goes. Does it go up the Lamberis Pass, turn around, then come down? Yeah. So we I did the Snowden Marathon last year, which was the trials for long distance worlds, and it finished descending. Lamberis and I was in second and I had I knew I had to get top two to qualify and I thought third guy was pretty close so basically left the let the brakes go on the on the downhill and that was after like already having run like 40k 
So if you think your DOMs coming down after like 7K, think of my DOMs after like 40K. Couldn't walk, couldn't walk for like two weeks, mate. Absolutely gone. Oh, no. Yeah, so I know where you're coming from. I know where you're brutal, isn't it? It's so hard as well, isn't it? But then again, like I think when you haven't run downhill that quick for so long, like you only think in training you're running downhill quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'll be shifting. Racing. Yeah, you'll be shifting faster than me downhill in that. But yeah, I, I know, know what you mean. That's debatable. <laughs> no, but that's that, that is a, one, it's a brutal, br- brutal, brutal descent. So, um, before we go on to the races you've been doing recently, um, I thought I'd have a little fire out a few questions to sort of get to know you a little bit better. Um, okay. There are there are right and wrong answers which. I've determined, um, so I've determined the correct answers. It's my pod, so that's kind of how I roll. Um, so it might determine, again, how the rest of this podcast goes. So if you get it wrong, I don't know, it might take a sour, sour atmosphere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure. No, no, no pressure, yeah. Um, right, so question one. What do you miss the most when you're away racing? My dog. Yes, correct answer. That's correct. Question two. Yeah, my dog. What's your favourite session? Uphill tempos in the morning. Oh, that's, I'm going to give you a half point for that because it had to have hill in it, hill reps, something like that. So, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you a half point. I'll get away with that one. Right, question three, and I'll allow two possible answers to this one. Right. What's your favourite sport to watch? So either live or on TV. Downhill skiing or show jumping. Jeez, okay, that's niche. That's niche. I was I was thinking it had to be either between because aren't the two biggest sports in Ireland Gaelic football and rugby? I'm not. I'm the Gaelic football is good to watch, but I don't. I'm not a big fan of rugby. Oh God! I mean, are you even Irish? That's the question with that answer. I well, be careful you ask that one too now. Coming from, from where I am, it's uh, that's a uh, that can either go one, either one way or another. So. <laughs> but no, Gaelic, Gaelic football is. Have you have it's, you ever watched it yourself? A little bit. It's it's quite confusing. It's mental. The, uh, probably the worst. The, have a look at hurling. Yeah, what what's that exactly? Hurling is insane. It's, I think it's the fastest ball sport in the world. Like you're running about with running about with wooden sticks. It's like the Irish version of uh, what was doing Scotland, shouldn't they? Yeah. So they throw the ball, wooden stick with a sort of flat, and they hit it. Is that right? Like forwards and stuff. The ball's made out of cork, I think. Okay. I don't. Uh, I think it's made out of cork, but. It used to be you didn't have to wear a helmet, but boys were getting their heads smashed in with wooden sticks made out of Jeez. hash. So it kind of, the rules come in that you have to wear a helmet, but if if you're on YouTube, have a look at hurling, and then you'll see Brutal. how crazy that is. Brutal. Okay, so downhill skiing. Interesting. Do you have a favourite skier? Do you like, is anyone you no, follow? No, I, just think, I think... just think it's class watching them go down, downhill fast. I couldn't tell you anyone. I, I remember listening. Yeah, I remember listening to. I think it was Lance Armstrong podcast that had Bodie Miller on it, the US yes, um, heard of him. skier. Yeah, and um, he was talking about the training that they did because of the lactic acid buildup. I think I can't remember what the, the the measurement was in millimoles, but it was something absolutely outrageous, and. Um, yeah, they did these whole crazy exercises in order to condition the quads to be able to like maintain, you know, like a squat um, for such a long period of time and all like the G-force. Unbelievable. I recommend listening to that, actually. Um, really interesting. That would be, that even sounds hard talking about that. How to, how to maintain a squat. That's... Yeah, it's like a 90 Ooh. degree squat down the mountain. But anyway, that was that was question three. So... Um, question four, do you prefer running uphill or downhill? I 
can I say both? Like, uh, as much, I don't, Ronald Upel. Explain, Uphel, explain further. Uh, Ronald Upel, because I think whenever you're Ronald Upel, there's always, well, I always like to think of there's going to be a, a magnificent view at the top of the mountain, and that's what makes it so good going up. But on the way down, it's just the, it's just the case of letting the legs go and thinking to yourself, right, it's time to have a bit of fun here, let's go. Mm. And uh, like they're both enjoyable, uh, but if I had to pick one, I would say yeah, Ronald Hill. Yeah, yeah Ronald Hill. I'll give you that. I'll give you. I'll give you three out. I'll give you three out of four, because I'll give you the full sort of half half point because um, of my sort of lack of um, Irish sporting knowledge, and uh, a half point because I was just going on the full on hill reps around the morning hill tempo, which uh, that sounds an interesting session actually. And there's uh, well and. The- it's in the morns with the mountains is about ten minutes for me and it's great running. I just love doing a session there. So are you doing a few morning sessions? Um how's the body feel first thing getting out and doing that? Well I'm a, I'm I am a morning person anyway. Mm. Uh I'd be out at six AM before work running. Like I only ever do maximum thirty minutes in the morning and then I run in the evenings after work, so yeah, I, I always, I've always preferred running in the morning, even on the weekends. We meet at 8 a.m. to do our session and on Sundays for our long run. So, yeah, well adapted to it. The thing is, you, you're probably young enough to be able to get up in the morning and be absolutely fine. I get up in the morning, I can't really walk. It takes a good two hours of like prehab in order to get out the door. So, I don't know, give it, I mean, you're a lot younger than me, so maybe give it nine or ten years and you'll be like me and be like, Oh, absolute agony in the mornings. Oh well, I have a dog to take out. If I don't get her out for a run, then she's upset with me the rest of the day. So you need to keep oh. her happy. Yeah, well, I'm the same, but I just have to walk them just because I'm just too buggered at that time. Oh, she she <laughs> won't walk. She has to be running. I was like belt into her. Doesn't know how to slow down. Moving on to the recent races that you've been to, because you're one of the the few um, people who's been back out at it, um, and I've been seeing what you've been up to, which is awesome. Um, it started off was it at the Fletter Trail in Italy last early last month, early August? Yeah, I that was the Piz Tree Vertical on the Saturday and the Fletter yep. Trail on the Sunday. Yeah, so I done both. You just, so you picked up third in the VK and fifth in the twenty one K trail. So that's like a that's a really impressive weekend and looking at the other guys that were there, um you you, you know, you've clearly come out of the, the coronavirus lockdown in some pretty handy shape. You know, how 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 did it go? Yeah, well, the VK was kind of, it was hard to gauge where I was there because of, I hadn't done that length of a climb in, I'd say, since August or September, sorry. So, like, especially on the start line when you're standing beside David A. Magnini, who's mm-hmm. probably one of the top VK runners in the world, you, you always think, right, he's your benchmark, but more than likely he's going to go out front, which he did, he did take it out and Thankfully, I was able to get saddled into a rhythm early on. I was on my own for maybe the first, I'd say, 1,500 metres. And eventually, I caught up to third place. And uh, Sylvain Cashard from France. And then the two of us caught on to Manini, who by this stage had been, had dropped back from first to second. So the three of us sort of fought it out until the last 500 metres, four or 500 metres, sorry. When it hit the final section up to the finish, which is known as the wall, which I think oh, I think topped it topped out at forty eight percent gradient average, forty eight percent. That's outrageous. It was hands and knees stuff. Like I mean, like if you tried the run, you're probably gonna go go fall backwards. That's that's absolute madness. <laughs> Whenever even though they they weren't meant to be big crowds at the watching races, this one like they're really the crowd was was really really good at it. And just when you hear the cowbells going, the adrenaline just pick, kick, kicks in. And uh, I had my legs were on fire whenever I went and made the surge to go past Sylvan. But I did get it in the end. But crossing the line, it just collapsed because it's just so, so steep. I've never actually done a, re- a finish as steep as that in my life. So it was, it was a relief to get over the line, but just about made it. So yeah, so when when you're in a sort of a battle, almost a three-way battle, there, are you 
rate on a VK, are you racing that tactically or are you just going, you know, all in and just seeing if you can just drop the other guys? Are you thinking, actually, I'm going to hold back a little bit and then I'm going to attack the, the top section or, you know, what, what's going through your head in that situation like that? Or what was going through your head in that race? It was quite tactical. Um, whenever we caught up, when me and Sylvan caught up with Davide, I stayed back. I stayed in third. I never budged from that position until I say 800 ago. And Davide made a, a surge. I tried to chase, but he just had that bit more than me at that point. And I then Sylvan had caught back up onto me. So I sort of got back and I realized right of another maybe minute or two here before I'll have to make another effort. So I got back, got recovered, and then uh, 100 meters from the line, just had made had a dig. And when I looked back and I realized that Sylvan was gone, I said, right, well, that's in third place in the bag. So, yeah, it was uh, I was happy with, the, with that result because it's sort of, that shows you that the, the, climbing never, the climbing legs never really disappeared. So, you fill me with confidence for the next day. Yeah, and it's a really good field as well. Yeah, and then went straight into the 21K the next day, picked up fifth. How, how did you race that? Did you go off conservatively thinking maybe I've got a little bit of fatigue in the legs because was it Poopy that won it? And uh, Yeah. So, you, did, you know, did you have to race that a little bit tactically as well or uh, what, what happened? But- it was at at the at the very start was very was tactical because I just I didn't want to go out too hard I didn't want to get sucked in with the leaders which and I think the top three might have been Poopy uh, Cesare Maestri and um, Sylvain Cashard the three of them they went off early on I think after a kilometer and my my I was in a group of maybe four. And we were all together on the climb. I think it was maybe about three kilometers from the summit before the descent. I actually made a, a surge because I heard that third place, sorry, third place at this stage, I was in fourth, was only 20 seconds ahead. So I made a, a go to try and get across. But I climbed well. My legs, I wouldn't say they felt fatigue, but just they just you just knew that you had a hard effort the day before. And I didn't want to go too hard, and I don't usually race with gels, but that this for this one, just as a precaution, I did. So I actually took on a gel maybe 10 minutes from the top and managed, I could see third place well just ahead of me, but it was that gap where I just couldn't, I couldn't bridge it. It wasn't happening. And then on the descent, I descended very well, actually. I was very happy with how that went. Um, I'd say it was the last 15 minutes where I was overtaken by one of the Demetrius twins with maybe 3K to go. And by that stage, my cows were starting to go. I couldn't... I just sort of... I could feel them nipping and cramps starting to come on. I thought, oh, no, this is this can't be happening. But luckily, I got on to a flat stretch where I was able to... I don't know what... I just sort of ran on my tiptoes across the uh, this stretch of tarmac, and it seemed to loosen them out. And I just I just had enough in the tank to get me through the secure fifth place. But then, when I realised sixth place was ninety seconds behind me, you knew that was a good. That um, showed that McLean and my descent were both good. That I was able to actually gain time on the people in front of me. So, yeah, overall, very very happy with how those two races went. As you know, you're like after so long without racing it's hard to know what way the body's going to react with going straight into running two hard efforts back to back but yeah it was a very very big confidence booster and uh yeah really really happy yeah some really good guys there and was it the challenge stelina you went on to next was it yeah challenge stelina yeah that was it was 14k uphill made up the italian championships as well is that right yeah, the Italian World Trial as well on the championship. So it was, uh, I knew from the very start that it was going to be stacked there. But that was another very good race. I was actually, I've raced the first mile of that race was ran in 5.05. So it was a very, very quick start. Oh, shifting. Yeah, and then straight into like a 25% climb, which completely blew my legs out of the, out of the water. <laughs> I didn't know how to cope with it. And because of that, I 
suffered very, very badly. They had a real bad spell after about from three till kilometer, the third kilometer till about eight k. And I just I went backwards there, and I don't know what was going on. I think maybe just that such a a quick pace to start off with, completely drained my legs of energy, you know. But uh, no, I think when I got, I would have been maybe another twenty minutes. I was sort of looked at looked at the watch. I don't really usually look at the watch during the race, but I looked at it this time and I seen that I have another twenty five minutes or so to go, and I just had a, I made a point of trying to pressure the legs into actually working again. So I started to pick up the pace a wee bit and got near the summit. And I was a wee bit naive. I don't know what made me think it was going to be a summit finish, but we came up out of the forest and we came onto this this uh, forest road onto the open mountain and it was just it was a downhill finish and it was absolutely awful oh. <laughs> in what way in what sense you've been climbing for so long and then having to go up onto the forest road and just open the legs up and then having to run it sub five and a half minute mailing was just yeah. grim and then you had this big drop then a grass bank into the finish then you sort of went down in then you had to climb back out and then there was the finish line but yeah i was eighth in that and Still happy with the result, but I still think if I hadn't had that rough set patch in the middle, maybe I could have stolen fourth or fifth. But you can't really complain, you know. It's top ten at the end of the day, and any race against the Italians is a a good result in my eyes. No, definitely. I just think, um, as you said, I think you take a huge amount of confidence from 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 both of them. Um, and like you know, saying the transition between going uphill for what was it, fourteen k, then into a downhill. Now that's something that you know is that something you you train because when when I used to race on the bike, um, and we did say the marathon racing where you go um, down, you'd be going downhill for like half an hour or something, and then you would go straight up into a, a long climb, and it used to be very very strange, like because on the bike you don't actually need to pedal. And then you're suddenly going to have to put in a lot of torque and your legs would be all kind of jelly. And it's kind of the same idea. It was that sort of transitioning between one sort of, you know, you're running in a certain way to go uphill and then having to change how you're running on the downhill. You know, is that something you think, right, maybe if that felt a bit weird, that's need something you maybe need to address? Or is that too difficult given we don't have the kind of one hour climbs in uh, in the UK? I think the second part maybe is that just that bit more difficult. We don't have the longer climbs, but it is something that can be worked on. But at the same time, I don't think it really matters how long the climb is. Um, like I know over where I am here and where I live, uh, I can easily go up to the summit and just turn and then let myself go on the way down because I can, from my house, from my back door up until the top of Sleeve Curb, which is the mountain behind my house. That's the just under 600 meters i can be up there in 20 minutes so you have 20 minutes of climbing then on just turn and just let yourself go on the way back down and then once you get to the bottom of that climb you have one short rise to go back up to the top of another hill and then you drop down to my house so it's kind of it's not that's pretty good then isn't it it is good but as i say it's mm. not long enough it's just enough that your legs can sort of process what's happening but as you say to do it for an hour to have an hour-long climb would be fantastic, but unless they make the mountains bigger, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, true. Could you see yourself ever getting over to, to Europe for an extended period of time if you think, right, this is kind of what I need to do in order to step up to the next level? Is that something you might consider or or, or, or you're not sure at this stage? I would love to. I've always said I'd love to go out to Chamonix for even a month the train but mm-hmm. at the minute with working full time and everything it's kind of hard to uh, it's hard to say when you could do that because of the whole situation in the minute but sure yeah it is something i'm looking at but as i say it's getting the getting the time off work to be able to go and do that and as i say it's it is something i want to do so Hopefully, Hopefully some, in the future. Somewhere along, yeah, somewhere in the future, I'd be, I would like yeah. to do it. But at the minute, it's kind of hard to know where I'm at with uh, travel and whatnot. Yeah, once uh, once things open up again, you need to tap up Salomon for some cash, you know, get them to sort you out. 
boy, I, I love a big lump of cash from someone. <laughs> come on, come on, Matt. <laughs> keep, keep doing the keep doing the lottery every week and just cross the fingers. Yeah. No, I was thinking because um, I, I had a really really sort of weird encounter out in um, out in Argent out in Argentina for when we were out to um, for Mountain Worlds, and uh, I, I wanted you to to shed some light on it. Light on it. Um, the day after. Uh, I was uh, racing, which is the day after you. Um, I was walking into town um, to go to the supermarket and I was a little bit in my own world. And I got accosted by some chap who sort of, he was wearing like a Canadian like team top and I didn't recognize who this guy was. And he started just, he just like struck up with me. And um, he said, oh, I, I had a sort of rowdy night and I'd uh, spent the night in a, in a shed. Anyway, it turned out to be a teammate, Ian, Conroy like what's the deal with him is he absolutely wild <laughs> he's a character he is a character hilarious yeah oh a shed I thought it was a boat oh, I, I don't know I got I got the story it was a shed I heard it was a boat I thought it was a boat someone's boat and someone, someone woke him up or something like that but yeah he has a tendency to get a wee bit lost when he gets drinking to him so <laughs> yeah I, I do remember that night because I do remember at the party and he was he was just loving life at that stage not a car in the world running about dancing with whoever was whoever was free yeah, it was it was it was quite bizarre um to to hear this story off off him and I, because he was wearing the Canadian top I was like who, who the hell's this guy you know I was just like wasn't, yeah. wasn't latched in at all um, but you had um, a fairly kind of di- was it difficult travel getting over to Argentina last year? Do you have a bit of a nightmare? Uh, or no, I actually myself and Sarah McCormick we went out. We actually were in the same flight as the GB team. Oh right, okay. So you a little bit earlier. Yeah, we went out a week before the race. No, maybe eight or nine days over, and then it was the the rest of the Irish team. They had difficulty. I think. Oh, okay. Their air strikes. Yeah. The flights weren't going. And that was their bar. So they, I think they only arrived, what, two days before the race? Which wasn't ideal. Luckily, I wasn't there. I actually, because I had long decided I wanted to go out early, which I think was the right decision because when you consider the length of time it was to get there, you need all the recovery you can get. Yeah, definitely. It was it was, it was an awful long way to go. And it's a, it's a shame that, you know, world champs aren't happening this year. Um, they've been cancelled. Um, so what's, what's the focus now for you? You know, that, that's not in the calendar. What, what are you kind of turning your sights to? Um, at the, I think it's in the first weekend of October, I'm actually going back to Italy to do Trofeo Nasigo. Right. So it's the same format as Flatter Trail. You have a VK on the Saturday and a trail race the next day. So I'm doing that. And the week after that is the Kiavana VK. So I'm actually staying out for the full week. Cool. So I'm going to, I think after, I think me and a couple of others are going to go to Kiavana maybe the day after Nasico and just stay there for the week and maybe, maybe get a, a look at the course while we're there before the race actually happens. So I've got that to look forward to. So I'm actually having to do a full week's work for the next four weeks, which is a bit of a, a seconder, but <laughs> I, have to, I have to do something. And, yeah. uh, at the end of October, I'm actually doing Trophy of Vinoni, the relays in Morbenu. Nice. So of that organised, so that'll be the last race of the mountain season, and then hopefully kick on in the cross country. Okay, so you're going, you're going to go into a full cross country season if the if it's running. I'll do maybe three or four races. Usually the one that the one that always targets the Northern Ireland cross country championships. It's usually held February. And then you have the Irish, the All Ireland Senior Championships. It's it's usually end of November. I'll probably do it, but come that stage, I mightn't be in the best shape. But we'll see. Go out and give it a lash anyway, and then <laughs> it's the best way to do it, isn't it? Well, when you're racing against boys who are running twenty-eight, twenty-nine, and ten k's, it's kind of it's a uh, hard to see where you fit in with the competition there. But uh, it's 
That's yeah, a good. All the, all, yeah, all the speed work you've been doing, you know, you might be able to carry, carry that through a little bit less racing this year, slightly fresher legs, a bit more kind of, I know, fresher mind as well, not so tired from over-travel and over-race, and, you know, you might have a good cross-season. Yeah, well, like the, the cross-country in Dublin, that was actually the course that was meant to be used for the European cross-country championships. Right. But because it's cancelled now, so that's all mm-hmm. gone, and... Yeah, so it's on that course, which isn't, it's not what I would call cross-country. It's mostly grass and it's fairly flat. Well, I say fairly, it is flat. And it's just doesn't sit anything in the my strengths at all. But as I say, it's it's good to get out and just to gauge where you're at against the quicker boys. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, yeah, yeah, good luck with the, the rest of the racing. Um, it's great to see, to see someone actually out in Europe and mixing it up with the eye ties and like uh, I know when uh, we saw saw your results at the Flesser Trail, I was like, yeah, respect, because you know to back up a third and a fifth in really really good competitions, uh, really really top stuff, and I'd say it's pretty promising um, for you for what's to come. Um, yeah, so I, I certainly enjoy uh, following you, following your races, and and seeing you mixing it with the Euros. So yeah, all all the best, all the best Thank with you. those uh, next month and. Uh, going into cross-country season, hopefully we can catch up again and get a bit more of a lowdown on, from someone that's actually racing. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely get something sort of now, but uh, same to yourself. All the best for whatever you're at. Yeah, and well, not a lot of racing my end. Uh, no, no races on the horizon, unfortunately. Exactly. It's hard. It is hard. Like I know over the lockdown, it was um, a bit uncertain. Where are we going to get the race? But now that there is stuff starting to open up, it is. But then again, people, it's hard to know is picking the right race. You don't want to just go and race for the sake of mm. racing. Yeah. But it's you also, if you haven't, right one. yeah. And if you haven't planned on racing and then suddenly you can race, it's like, actually, is my training now falling in the right kind of phase in order to go and race or, you know, you're not ready for it and then. Certainly for me, I'm like, ah, oh, I know Italy's fairly safe, but you don't want to then go and do a race. And when you're there, it gets put on the blooming, it gets taken off like, you know, the air corridor or whatever it, you want to call it. And then you're like, oh shit, now I've got to spend two weeks inside when I get back. And fingers crossed it's not going to happen. I've seen a few people away to Spain there for training camps over the last few weeks Ooh, on Twitter. Dear. So I think that's a bold move going out there knowing you have to quarantine when you come back. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do that because I have to work. Go to work but yeah. I'm not, and I can't exactly just say I'll go out here and just abandon work for two weeks. It wouldn't work, work that way. So, yeah, as I say, the, over the next few weeks, that's always, I'm always keeping an eye on what Italy's, what way they're going because it could just change overnight. So, fingers crossed, it stays, sense, yep. it stays at a sensible level so that we can travel and that we can just carry on like the way we have, but. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's just strange. Everyone wearing masks and all. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> anyway, buddy, uh, really good to catch up. And uh, as I said, good luck with with everything to come. And uh, yeah, hope to uh, catch up with you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And Telsenko was asking about him. Yeah, no, yeah, but guy's slacking. Well, he's actually nice. We're working some crazy shifts, but. Um, well, Callum uh, works overrated. <laughs> I think he knows that. <laughs> right now, cheers, buddy. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Top lad. Really genuine guy. He clearly loves to race and get stuck in. Uh, he scouts some big names in recent years, and he's still still only young, young, twenty five. So I really only see him going from strength to strength, Rob. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I met him when I was working at one of the Salomon festivals. This was two or three years ago down at Box Hill. And I, he was just quite a, quite a quiet dude. And he just you could tell he just had that, those his eyes, he's an intense, he looks intense. He, he's, he was doing all the, the uphill workshops and... The reports when the people were coming back that we were getting back there before I was out doing some of the guided runs and they were saying I think he was giving them quite a beast in like um for for training he was 
for, for what was a festival sort of vibe. I think he was giving, giving them a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not holding back. It doesn't matter who yeah. you are. You're having a hard session with yeah, the Zach attack. But, Actually, yeah. is it, it what you know, what be a good nickname? I was thinking, you know, Zach like the that. Attack Hannah. Zach Zach Attack. Ah, that's good. I don't know if it flows. I, like I don't know if he likes that or not, but we'll roll with it from now on. Yeah. Top lad. But anyway, I uh, sort of two major points I took away from talking to Zach was firstly, he sounds like he's got himself a really good training group. You know, if you're you're training with that sort of quality and experience, you've got some very fast runners, including um female Olympian um Kerry O'Flaherty. Um, you know, it can only bring you on in, in so many, so many areas, can't it? Yeah. Is it, from what, I mean, obviously you, with time constraints and things, you, you cracked on and did the pod with him and I had a good listen and we discussed things before this, but it sounds like he, he's really going for the, he trains a lot on the flat, doesn't he? You know, with, mm. with these, with these guys and they're really pushing him on by the sounds. I mean, he's already running a sub 15 5k, but these, these he's training with people who are, you know, these, these are fast, fast flat runners, yeah. you know? Yeah. That was, that, that was kind of the, the, the second thing I thought the, the big thing was a, was it was a training group. The fact that he seems to be in that, in that good group and the, you know, um, training with, with good guys is, and, and good, and good, and good women is, uh, only going to suck you on and it gets that kind of support group around you and as the second as you second point you said was um how much sort of speed work he's doing on the flat and you know how that translates to the hill so you know what what's your take on spending quite a lot of time working flat speed and and working leg tone over and how you can directly move that to a mountain scenario and a mountain race yeah well i, th- I think if you are gonna if you're used if you've built up several years or if you're quite used to the technical terrain of the hills and the mountains you th- there will eventually be a limitation on on your progression won't there before you there's certain things it'll get harder and harder to progress if you're always running in that environment so by pulling yourself away from your comfort, I know it's not always a comfort zone, but for for the matter of this discussion, I'll call it a comfort zone. If you're used to, if you're used to running in the mountains, if you're then coming away from that, and you are putting in interval sessions, fartlek sessions, track sessions, all this hard speed work, you're you're definitely going to improve your cadence and efficiency, you know, aerobically and certainly even anaerobically. And when you're taking that back to the hills especially uphill where you're 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 plucking away with with that high cadence you're you're gonna be definitely seeing some benefits i reckon yeah it's, you know it's running economy isn't yeah, it yeah right, that's the word yeah running economy I'm, that's it i'm i mentioned it when when uh when i was talking to him about training at faster speeds or faster pace than you do in races and um before going out to mountain world champs last year and having looked at the course and the parkour for that, you know, um, I thought this is going to be fast at the start and coming off the back of, um, trials for the race. Um, there was a flat section in the middle of trials and we were running, um, I think it was between sort of 18 and a half and 19 kilometers an hour during this section. And yeah, yeah, it was, right. but it <laughs> it felt fast though, and, and at the time it felt too fast for me. It felt uncomfortably fast because I'd spent so much time training in the hills. Yeah, and because of that, I actively spent more time um, doing intervals, like fast intervals. So this is what kind of Zach I think is saying is that he's spending a lot of time running very fast because if you get used to running at 20 21 22 kilometers an hour which is what i was doing in the build-up to world champs last year then at the start of the race um when we were doing i think 19 or 20 yeah. it didn't feel like i was sprinting no and it, was, it felt like a more of a sustained hard cruise yes. as opposed to a, a 
a, a, an effort that's going to tax you and destroy the rest of your yeah, face. Yeah, you it, it's it's, it's yeah. muscle memory. And yeah. um, like at last at Euros last year, um, that was uphill, uphill only, um, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, we went through the first two k. So the first two k, I think from memory, we were doing around three ten to three twenty mins per kilometer. Bear in yeah. mind that. Yeah, that's we still a, then what, had what percent a thousand was meters. That at, though? Yeah, you well, know, that that was probably, relatively flat through the yeah, town. Three or four, but then started to creep up. We still had you know eight k more or less a thousand meters to go up. So you think, sure, you know when you're talking about people that are running very fast five and ten k's, sort of three ten paces is 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 nothing. But that has to feel like almost nothing in order to then be able to put in the effort required to go very fast for the rest of the rest of the uphill the rest of the race so i think my main point is if you're not comfortable running at speeds faster than you're going to race at it's going to unduly stress the system when you're going to be running at those fast paces or slightly less you know speed than you were training doing in training in the race itself yeah um yeah. so i thought that was very interesting definitely um, some good take homes from that is there death yeah but Again, you know, he 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 said his coach said if you look at the all the top mountain runners, they've got they're very fast on the flat. And um, I, I was thinking about this a little bit, and um, I thought, you know, maybe maybe he's right. But you know, if you take Jacob Adkin, our last podcast podcast guest, for example, like sure he hasn't done anything massively recent on the road but he's european he's european mountain running champion and you know he's let's be honest he's top five in the world yeah he's, he's real top tops yeah, he's, he's he's royalty here yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> but but, but he's his yeah his 5k pb going off power 10 whether that's entirely accurate right now he's it's 5k 16 16 10k is 38 54 which is yeah. significantly without wanting to sound like a knob, is significantly slower than what my PB was at the age of 14. Yeah. So yeah. It, that's that's The thing is, though, he it. probably did that when he was hung over after, out with his out with the Edinburgh bloody, the, the Edinburgh lads. He probably did it just for, for a bit of a sweat out the booze. Because, you know, so back in his uni days, he probably, something like that. Yeah, but if, but does, is, does he sort of go against the argument of flat speed being required for uphill prowess yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting fact but it made when i was thinking about it also it made me think about there there comes an optimum level of, of volume you know of distance and elevation where i think that flat speed will will essentially benefit up to a certain point you know, and it also depends on the terrain, the technique, because a lot of these uphill races that are, like, so, like, so when you spoke to Zach, he did, it was around the half marathon, you know, 1,000 metres-ish to 1,500 metres positive. I think when you start going above that, the the flat, fast speed becomes less and you will have to be more technically, like, equipped for the, the mountains after that you know when you're looking at like mountain marathon for instance where i think speed work still is essential for that but more of your speed work should be done in the in the hills as opposed to on the flat when you get above maybe that that sort of 21k level Mm. i don't know would you agree Mm. with that or not yeah i think i would because i'm i'm a big advocate for training specificity yeah yeah um yeah i think those uh, classic distance mountain races or you say up to the sort of half marathon really this it's not that long and you do need to be fast yeah but when it comes to the marathon or you know 50k plus you you it comes yeah there's more technical ability and there's more strength based um sure as i said you know the beginning of uh, worlds last year was fast but the rest of the the rest of the race actually wasn't that quick it was more more who can maintain uh like sub threshold for three and a half hours rather than someone that can run threshold and just above threshold which is what you're doing on a on a shorter race isn't it yeah yeah it is if you're comfortable if your fitness is 
well developed that you can just sustain. I mean, a classic example of that is look at look at what look at what Tom Evans just did in the Antrim half yesterday. Ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, what was it? One o two, one o three. It was a one one three fifteen. Yeah, it's a sixty three fifteen. And this is a guy who has. He, he, like he's came out of nowhere f- with all his fitness and he's obviously had years and years of building up to these things over the last three or four years but hats off to the guy I mean he's he's absolutely nailing it you know he's, he's he's showing that you can transfer in the endurance side which is maybe slightly different from Zach but it's it's showing that there is a transference between between the speed work and I know he he well, the five k he did the last time we were doing the pod. Remember, I mean, he, yeah, it's well, yeah. We we don't know without wanting to go too much onto Tom yeah. because it's hopefully um, at some stage we'll get him on the pod to discuss this because Aye. I'm I'm very very interested to understand his ability to transition from the long distance. Um, races beginning of this year, he took course record out in the yeah, the hundred k music. Yeah, yeah. Took the course record there, and then now he's clearly used. Well, clearly, I say, he looks like he's used the the kind of non non race coronavirus stuff time to to work on his um, speed. But he hasn't just worked on his speed. He's now come out with times that are up there with like the very, very best in yeah, those distances. Wild. It's wild. 5k, you know, the 5k we're talking about, it's a 1341. I mean, that that's quicker than Jim Wormsley, for example, um, which to be honest with you, it's absolutely outrageous. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to understand that transition from um, long distance to speed and, potentially you know his take on um the importance of flat speed um for the mountains it's a very interesting interesting topic yeah definitely and i know for a fact we're gonna get um the legend local legend of of the aberdeenshire area uh robbie simpson on the show in a couple of hopefully a couple of weeks time um but there's a race I was thinking about, and I was actually speaking to him about this. And for for those of you out there, it's called the Young Frau Marathon, and that is again a race where I think, although it is a marathon, that flat speed and that endurance mix is is at the absolute at its absolute pinnacle. You know, you're you I think it's got about oh. 1800 meters of ascent over the marathon and Robbie's consistently churning out times that are sub three hours in these races and you you have to be I mean it be is to hear his stories on the battles he's had at the front of the end of those races but th- that's an example of taking what Zach's talking about to the next level of of of, of speed work you know because you have to be fast to survive these sort of races and it's yeah yeah, it's where I think it's probably why Robbie's done historically very well at Sierra Zanal. Exactly. Um, it's a very yeah. fast race. He got the uphill and then it's very fast. And, you know, you, was it last year? I think we saw Killian putting out some insane session of three times 5K where he's all around either sub 15 or around about 15. Now that's like the epitome of speed endurance, isn't it? And he's the greatest mountain runner of all time. So perhaps actually um flat speed and being able to maintain that is more important than a lot of uh, um mountain runners that do the the longer distance ones really put enough em- maybe no we don't put enough emphasis on it yeah yeah i i think the, the take home from it is from all this is if you are not doing work like that then if you have a block of training where you are doing say four to six weeks of adding in once a week a session that is on the flat whether you need a track or you can chuck in some efforts on a long out and back on a flat straight you're gonna see a benefit from that aren't you if you're not used to doing that you will immediately get a benefit to your to your mountain running things providing you're still putting in all the other work but or what do you what do you recommend yeah so i would say i would completely agree the one thing i'd say though is being careful adding too much speed work if you're not used to it because 
speed work and when running fast puts so much stress and strain through the body agreed, that agreed. you are teetering on the edge of picking up an injury yeah. if you're not very careful. And yeah. just quickly jumping back to Tom, that's something else I'd like to, to understand is in order to progress to those kind of times, he must have done a significant amount of speed work. How is he not getting picking up the injuries and niggles or yeah. how's he not picking up well the, from what you know the public can see yeah um is that strength work or what but yeah very very yeah. interesting discussion really on yeah. speed work it, it must be red bull mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I like every session Gives you wings red bull yeah maybe it's like red bull he maybe has baths in Red Bull or something. He's fully absorbed into the body. Transdermal absorption of Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but anyway, anyway, that's yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, I think I think that's all we got for this episode. Uh, remember, you can keep up with the pod on Instagram and Facebook at the Mountain Running Pod. And if you like what you hear, please rate us and give us give the pod a review on iTunes as well as subscribing to the pod wherever you get your podcasts um next time we'll be joined by sports injury rehabilitation specialist and strength and conditioning coach jem yeselhurt to talk all things strength training for mountain runners it'll be an absolute cracker so until next time thanks everyone perfect cheers folks thanks for uh, tuning in and look forward to the next podcast